Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. And uh, <laughs> I don't know what that's about, but I need all the help I can get. I don't know. It, it, I don't know if it's an age thing. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm having midlife crisis. I don't know. Um, I just know that when I was 25 or even 35, the conversations that I'm having in my head now didn't exist then. Bishop, help me. Is that an age thing? Please, Lord, then let me get older quickly because this is driving me crazy because the, the questions or does this matter? If what I'm doing really matter, does anybody even know? If I quit doing this, if I walk out tomorrow and say, on y'all, I'm gone. I'm going to go live by lake. Does it really matter? That's got to be an age thing, I hope. I never questioned that when I was 20. I never questioned that when I was 35. I thought everything I did was so revolutionary to the world. I mean, it didn't matter. Style of my clothes. What I, I'm changing the world when I was 30. Now I'm 48. And I'm beginning to wonder. And then out of the blue. This is how God works. This is His goodness. Maybe maybe some of you are having those thoughts too. And, and maybe this will help you. I'm sitting on my couch. And the phone rings. And it's from Florida. And I don't normally answer those because it's usually Google. No doubt. I get like six Google calls a day. Some automated. Because my phone number is the church phone number. And so I don't even answer them anymore. And for some reason I picked it up and... Well, I'll tell you why. I was going to tell her to take me off the list. <laughs> <All right. clears throat> I'd had enough. And this lady, older lady, says, hey. And I said, hello, Pastor Church and Steve. She says, this Pastor Steve Eli. I knew right then it was a sales call. I'm in trouble because I never get it right. And I said, and I could hear my own tone. Now that I think back about it, I hear my own tone. I was not very nice. I was like, yes, it is. And she said, the neighbors are probably getting ready to call the police right now on me. And I'm like, okay. She said, I am literally dancing in my living room right now. And I was like, okay. She said, I'm having church. I was like, okay. She said, I found a copy of your manuscript called Square Pizza and Mystery Meat. That's eight years ago. And she said, I've been reading this in my house and I'm going crazy. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> Emphasis on crazy, but all right. And that's it. She said, I just came to, I just called to tell you that. I'm like, okay. So then, oh, it gets better. It gets better. Let me do one more about me and then I'll tell you about you. I get a, a a messenger message last night and I'm not even going to go into the background of this kid this was one of my kids in my youth group that was a little older when I guess we went there I think he was 18 and up until recently 
he wasn't having the same questions I'm having. Let's just put it that way. All right? He's young enough that he just hadn't had those questions. He's pastoring a church. And he says, hey, Steve, kind of been through a dry place lately, just a valley spiritually, and the pressures and frustrations of ministry. I've had to put a lot of effort into restoring some relationships and focusing on administrating and leading my church. It's kind of taken me away from my sermon prep, which I take very seriously. So I go to Sermon Central and find your series on joy. Remember joy, right? Not only has it ministered to me, but I'm preaching the tar out of it. It has been a good two weeks so far doing location tomorrow. And if you don't know what that's about, you can go listen for yourself. Not word for word, but there's a couple really good sentences and phrases that I'm surely using. Just wanted to let you know there's a congregation in Florence, South Carolina, getting blessed by your sermons and a pastor too. That's good. And then this one about you. This is last Sunday. We're sitting at the dinner table. I get this text. I recognize who it's from. It's from Johannes. Y'all remember Johannes and Karen? They moved to South Carolina. Johannes coached a passion soccer team for us. So I see it's from him. So I don't even read it at the table. Not because I don't care about it. I'm just in, in a conversation and I need to move on. And then, so late Sunday afternoon, I remember I'd gotten a text from Johannes. This is about you. So if you ever wonder what you do around here matters what you do in your life. Just something little. Please, listen. Hello, Pastor Steve. How are you? I just got a call from a Hispanic kid that we ministered to through Passion Soccer asking me to come to his college signing for soccer. Made me very happy. This boy had no shoes or any soccer things, and we were able to provide him with these things through Passion while teaching him Christian values. God's good. God's good. And so I just want to challenge you and encourage you this morning. If you're kind of where I'm at, whether by age or whether by God doing something in your life where you're beginning to ask whether what you do makes any difference, you never know. You literally never know who's listening and watching and just the implications of what you do for generations to come. So I just challenge you and encourage you this morning. All right, I'm done being all spiritual, Kim. I'll let your fingers have a break. Thank you. Doesn't it sound better when she's playing? All right, go back. No, I'm playing. We have to discover who we are. In order to be free, we have to know who we are. Time and time again through Scripture, I've referred to different occasions uh, where people came to this conclusion about who they were because God spoke to them, and when He did, it changed their life. So we've been uh, walking through these passages of Scripture in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus goes to a mountaintop, and He brings His disciples to Him, and He begins to talk about us. we got to know who we are. If we don't know who we are, then when we have those questions that I've been having, we have no foundation, and then we throw in the towel. But So we got to know who we are. So we've talked about uh, three Sundays now who Jesus said, what he said about us. He said we're blessed. He's good. In any situation, we're blessed. We call it the Beatitudes. Uh, every time we go through something, whether it's good or bad, he's still good. We're blessed. We have that. Uh, we've got an upper hand on everybody else around us going through what they're going through because we are blessed. 
Then I talked to you about the fact that he said we're square pegs and spotlights. We're salt and light. And then last week it got really dicey in here because I told you that he says that we're, we are to be grown-ups. We handle lust differently. We, we deal with our eyes ruthlessly. We become very honest about how we look at things and we cut lust off at our looks. We talked about how we deal with truth, how we deal with people that uh, want to treat us wrong. All, all these different elements. He said we're grown up. we got to act like grown ups. And so this morning I want us to go further. But I want you to notice something. Um, Jesus began, he's still talking about us, but there's an, there's an interesting occurrence. I read to you two weeks ago out of Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, where he's, he's talking to us about the light that is in us. And he says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He says, let your light, listen to this phrase, shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds. That's an important phrase. See your good deeds and moral excellence and recognize and honor and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So in Matthew chapter 5, all of this is part of one sermon. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, in verse 16, he says, let your light and your good works be seen by men, right? But now we're going to move forward and we're going to come into Matthew chapter 6. And in verse 1, uh-oh, it seems like Jesus contradicts himself. All right, all these folks that want to argue about all the contradictions in the Bible, here may be one, right? Because in Matthew 5, 16, he says, let everybody see your good works. Now in Matthew chapter 6, he says, in verse 1, be very careful not to do your good deeds publicly to see, be seen by men. Did you have amnesia, Jesus? Did you lose your notes? Did your iPad not have enough battery power? And now you contradict yourself? He says, otherwise you will have no reward prepared in awaiting with you with your Father who is in heaven. So we're going to start there. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read the first... Um, uh, 18 verses, but I want to point out this because in Matthew chapter 5, he says, let your good works be seen. Now in Matthew chapter 6, he says, don't let them be seen. And I think what's happening is that Jesus understands that uh, there's some motive issues in our human heart. And so he knows that, that we are very human and knowing that we have tendencies to become very self-absorbed, we have tendencies to become very self serving and we are subject to succumb to pride at any moment he begins to deal with our motives so let's see what he says Matthew chapter 6 1 through 18 be especially careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it it might be good theater but the God who made you won't be applauding when you do something for someone else don't call attention to yourself you've seen them in action I'm sure play actors I call them treating prayer meeting and street corner alike as a stage, acting compassionate as long as someone is watching, playing to the crowds. They get applause, true, but that's all they get. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks, just do it quietly and unobtrusively. That is the way your God who conceived you in love worked. That is the way your God who conceived you in love, working behind the scene, helps you out. Pray with simplicity. And when you come before God, don't turn it into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and as honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense His grace. The, wor the world, listen, I love this phrase, the world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. 
They, they're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best as above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're a blazing beauty. Yes, yes, yes. In prayer, there's a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself out from God's part, or cut yourself off from God's part. When you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God, don't make a production out of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into, into training inwardly and act normal outwardly, shampoo and comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face, God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you're doing. He will reward you well. Have y'all seen the new Verizon commercial where they drop the mic over and over? The guy, Seth, Seth Nick's playing the part of the guy. Okay, watch it again. You'll see. I noticed it the other day. I was like, that's Seth. There's a mic drop after this. got to be. Incredible passage of Scripture. So Jesus looks at his disciples, and he says to them, this is us. Here it is. We are extras. Extras. I want you to stop and think about all the blockbuster movies that come out, and I want you to think about who they feature. Who are the trailers about? Who's on the movie posters? Who gets invited to the talk shows? The stars. Have you ever noticed? I mean, it doesn't matter. It could be Denzel. It could be Hugh Jackman. It could be like Emma Stone. It could be Meryl Streep. I'm trying to hit all the age brackets here. Right. It could be, all right, just trying. I tried. Did you see how I did that on purpose? I went old to new. Grace Kelly, okay, well, I went way back. All right, just trying to get them all. Um, the billboards, it's all about the stars. Have you ever noticed that nobody ever really pays that much attention to the extras? They don't get invited. It's like Jimmy Fallon's not going to have like all the extras from the, the, the most recent Star Wars movies. Hey, here, we're going to put 19 chairs out. This one crowd scene, did you see the extras? There's no, uh, they, 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 they very seldom ever pay. Did you know that, I, I know there's a, like an Oscar, is it Oscars you get for movies? Oscars, right? Uh, Oscars that, for supporting actors, but they never get, I, I'm not aware, do, they don't give Oscars to like extras. No. Did you know, I looked it up, do you know how much an extra usually makes for being in the, sh in the show? $8 an hour. $8, okay. All right. So these are those, these folks in the crowd scene that nobody knows who they are. They're entirely overlooked. They're entirely unknown. But I also would submit to you that they're absolutely essential to the movie. Can I tried to think of some crowd scenes. Like I thought of, okay, I'm biased. Okay, like my, my favorite, one of my favorite, like Braveheart. Can you imagine Braveheart riding his horse in front of like two guys? <laughs> C 
great movie, right? Really, come on. There's nothing dramatic about that. Freedom! And there's nobody, like one dude, right? Okay, all right, so you're with me. So without the people in the crowd scene, the star can't command the scene. Without the crowd, the plot is meaningless, and the story is told, but it's not told with any real impact. So Jesus, talking about us, says that we are extras. What he's literally saying to us is that we're not the star. We are not the key player in this epic movie. He, he, he wants us to know that we, he, and he states it very clearly, we have light, but here's the key, we're not the light. That's important for us to know. Uh, our good deeds are not to be done to make a name for us together. Our responsibility is to know him and make him known. Jesus knew this about us, and, and man, he knows us so well. He, he, knew, he knew that if we're not careful, what we do in life is we become applause and attaboy hungry. We want people to applaud us, pat us on the back, tell us how special we are. He knew that about us. We have this tendency, if we're not careful, we will push our way into the limelight. And, and there's an Old Testament account, um, a, a really powerful one, about a young man by the name of Absalom. I never liked Absalom because he had great hair and a lot of it. And he was good looking. And so I don't like him. He's not like my favorite. Uh, I like David better because he was ruddy. I don't know what that means, but in my, mean, my mind, I just don't correct me if I'm wrong. He wasn't the best to look at. He probably was, but don't correct me because I want to I wanna still like David. He's an important, okay. So, so, but Absalom, and Absalom had this tendency to be so full of himself and so full of pride that he always wanted to push himself forward. And what he would do is he would sit in judgment about other people, including the ones over him, but, but also others. And he, he, would, he actually literally went and sat at the gate to promote himself as a judge. Self-promotion got him into trouble. Jesus spends time to talking, about, talking to us about our role as extras because that is the complete opposite of how we've been trained to live. I don't, I don't know what your school systems taught you. I don't know what your sports programs taught you. But the ones I grew up in taught me to be driven. Plus, I'm firstborn, type A, plus, plus. Okay. Driven. I, I was taught that if you want your horn to, to somebody to blow your horn to toot your horn, you better toot it yourself because ain't nobody else going to toot it. I said toot in church. All right. Uh, I was taught that you pull strings. What is wrong with me today? I was, I was taught you pull strings. As long as I don't ask you to pull my finger, we're all right. Okay. Um, pull strings and. I don't know. It's just one of those days. We, all right. Pull strings. Force your way to the top. Right? I, I've been taught that. That was what we were taught to do. Make a name for yourself. Make room for yourself. But Jesus comes along and he says, listen, fly under the radar. If you're going to do 
good. Do good for somebody. When you do that good, don't let anybody know you're doing that good. Just do the good because they need to have good done to them. What? I don't think we understand what a huge favor Jesus did for us in this passage. I don't think we understand completely. I'm trying to grasp this at 48 years old. I'm trying to grasp this. That Jesus gave us a huge gift in this little passage of Scripture. Because what he did was he literally comes against and attacks performance mentality. So many of us live our Christian life and all we're really trying to do is perform up to a standard that we will never be able to perform to because here's why, we want God to accept us. So we pray the way we pray. We do the things we do. We serve where we serve. And if we were really honest, the reason we do it is not because we even want to. We do it because we believe that if we don't do it, God won't accept us. And so we operate out of this performance mentality. And what Jesus does is he pulls the stage out from under our feet. And he says that living like that, all it does is it gets you nothing but short-term applause. And then subsequently you're overlooked by God. Because God says pride comes before a fall. So Jesus is trying to teach us this. We are not called to perform for approval because we've already received approval. You will never be more approved of than you are right now if you've accepted Jesus in your heart. You will never receive more approval and a stamp of certification and you're good enough and I love you and I'm for you and I'm proud of you. You can never do anything that messed that up. He approves of you. And because, now here's the, here's the switch. Because he approves of us, then it adjusts how we live. Because I don't want to take license in the grace that he has given me. And I don't want to abuse his approval. That's why I can't go into this hyper grace mentality that now because I've, I've received grace, I can do anything I want to do and live any way I want to live. Forget that mess. I've been approved by God and he loves me. So now I want to do my dead level best for him. Not so it will make him approve of me, but because I love the fact that he's already approved of me. That's freedom. There is freedom in that passage. Maybe you're not built to perform. Maybe, maybe like C was always good enough for you. It's, it's average. That's good enough for me. That, but for those of us that, were, that, that are so driven and so consumed by performance and trying to live up to what everybody thinks and trying to make everybody happy, and I'm not a people pleaser. Please don't get me wrong because I'm not. But, but I am driven to the point that if I'm not careful, it's all about I'm doing this for because I got to. Y'all don't know what goes on up here. I'm nuts. You, you think I'm crazy. I'm being honest. I'm nuts. I'm crazy. I'm consumed. I'm, I'm consumed. It's got to be the best sermon. It's got to be the best building. It's got to be the best. It's got to be the best. It's got to be the best. And Jesus frees us from all that and says, what are you doing? You're good enough. 
extra mentality Jesus says that it should invade our work. When we work for God, we, we do it as an extra. I'm not trying to gain attention for me. I'm trying to gain attention for him. He says it should, it, this, this extra mentality should invade our worship. I, I don't worship a particular way. Our worshipers aren't supposed to worship a particular way to get attention drawn to them. That the, the object of our worship is what we're trying to draw attention to. Because if while we're worshiping, the attention is drawn to us, then we get applause. But newsflash, I don't got nothing for you. I can't help you. I can't change you. But if while I'm worshiping, if the object of what I'm worshiping and who I'm worshiping comes into your view, he can change everything about you. It should invade our prayer. Our, our prayer should be simple. I've taught y'all how to pray. I spent extended time trying to teach you how to pray. Our prayers don't ever have to be more eloquent than this. Help. I took the stage at our national convention. All the pastors from our denomination that decided to come were there. And the only thing God would allow me to pray was help. Boy, that was real eloquent. You're going to get invited back. I pray to help. You got nothing more than that. That's it. Why make it complicated? Thou, O oh Lord, are the most prestigious and perpendicular and <laughs> congruent. <laughs> See, I'm free from performance. I don't even care. Yeah, tangents and quadrilateral, whatever, who cares? If we need help, we need help. Jesus, help me. Do you know what I prayed for when we got ready for service this morning? It wasn't, oh, thou. I just walked in the room and said, God, please, I need your help. Everybody's running late. Worship team's late. My son's late. I don't want to be here. Help! I want to be at the lake. People are posting stuff about the lake. I would rather be there. Help! People treating me like optional. Help! Because I'm about to. Okay. Help. Simple prayers. He says our fasting should be shrouded. In very real terms, Jesus comes and teaches us. I don't know how John figured this out, but John was brilliant. John had this moment in his life. In John chapter 3, verse 30, he has this moment. Uh, you got to catch this scene. I'm almost done. Just stay with me. Uh, he catches this scene. I don't know how he does this, but. All these people are clamoring about John. He's like the newest guy on TBN. Everybody, so he's weird. So, um, so, uh, and he was. And so, so the crowds are coming out of everywhere, and there's people everywhere clamoring and talking about him and pointing to him. And in John chapter 3, verse 30, he says this. This is the assigned moment for him to move into the center while I slip off to the sidelines. We learned it like this. He must increase. I must decrease. That's what Jesus is talking about. 
That, that mentality, that extra mentality led to a, a group of disciples who could literally say, and they were all right with saying it. They would say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee. And lives were changed. And yet we, we're still so caught up in performance that we, don't even, we can't even say that anymore. In fact, we will fight saying that. They knew who was doing the work. They knew and had come to grips to, to this simple fact. We are not called to be manufacturers. We are called to be distributors. That's our role. If, and so therefore, if we have nothing to distribute, then it's a very clear indication that we have taken responsibility for manufacturing. Because what I've come to grips with is this. I can't produce anything. There's nothing good in me aside from Jesus. We're not responsible for manufacturing. I'm only responsible for distributing what he's given me. So, so that begs this question then. If I'm producing followers of me, then I am responsible for manufacturing what, it will, be what will be required to keep you following me. But if I distribute out of me what Jesus has done, then you become a follower of Christ. And that's what's important. So this begs this question. Is Jesus increasing in your life? You do understand that for, in order for Jesus to increase, you must decrease. It's not either or or both and. It is either or. It's not both and. You can, if you increase, Jesus will take the back seat. But if you want him to increase, the only way you can pull that off is to take a background role. So you cannot ascend without Jesus descending. So are you decreasing at all? Or are you in the lead role? Who is in the spotlight of your life? Who are they applauding for? Uh, in the last few months, I've been reading and referring you back to some old songs. I wasn't going to do that this morning. I was gonna, I'm going to refer you back to a new song, but then I'm 48, so old songs came back. So I'm going to do both. I heard a song on the radio not too long ago. It was pretty new. It's, it's a few months old now. It's rap. Y'all ready? I'm just going to read it. Never mind. No. <laughs> I'm free from performance, but not that free. <laughs> All right. Here are the lyrics. So you can understand them. Because some of y'all can't. Okay. Okay. Um, says, yo, I had a dream that I was the captain of my soul. I was the master of my fate. Lost control, and then I sank. So I don't want to take the lead because I'm prone to make mistakes. All these folks who follow me are going to end up in the wrong place. So just let me shadow you. Just let me trace your lines. Matter of fact, just take my pen here. You create my rhymes. Because I don't... Because if I do this myself, I'm scared that I'll succeed and no longer trust in you because I only trust in me. 
And see, that's how you end up headed to destruction, paving a road to nowhere, pour your life out for nothing. I can play the background. I can play the background because I know sometimes I get in the way. So why? So won't you take the lead? So won't you take the lead? And I will pay, play the background, and you can take the lead. That's good stuff in rap. So now let me take you old school. Julie knows this is one of the ones I want sung at my funeral. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. Yeah, I'd rather have Jesus and be led by his nail-scarred or nail-pierced hand than to be a king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. I'd rather have Jesus than worldly applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide things. I'd rather be true to his holy name than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. This is us. We're extras. So, what that means then is that if we want Jesus to take center stage and get all the spotlight, we have to reposition ourselves and walk off the stage and turn and point to him. That means if we want Jesus to take the center stage of our life, then when it's time and we see somebody in need, we meet the need, and when they turn to applaud for us, we walk off the stage and say, I didn't produce this, I just distributed this. If you want to give applause, give applause to the one who makes all this possible. That means if we want Jesus to take center stage, we go to our jobs, and when we do a good job, because we're supposed to, to shine the excellences of what he's done for us and to set a different standard, and our boss looks at us and wants to promote us and wants to bonus us and all of this stuff, we go, you know what, thank you, sir, thank you, ma'am, but let me just tell you I wouldn't work as hard as I work and I wouldn't do all that I do if it wasn't for the fact that Jesus set me free I'm not doing this this is him working through me because I don't even like this job but because of what he's done for me that's how it works y'all that means when we go to school and we can slough off and make a C and, and, and be all right with that, but we know that Jesus working through us, trying to get a platform for him, when everybody around us would go, there's no way they can make good grades. They're not smart enough to make good grades. We buckle down and we put in the extra work so that then when the report cards comes out and they parade us across the stage and they want to applaud for us, we come off the stage and we go, I would have never done that except I serve him. And because he is perfect and because he is excellent and because I honor him if we want Jesus on the stage of our life what it means then is when my marriage is not what I want it to be and there's difficult moments in my family and there's difficult moments in my relationships I don't behave like everybody else behaves and I don't react like everybody else reacts and I will according to what he said last week if they slap me in my face I will wrap up my best coat and give it to them as a bonus and turn my other cheek why? because I want to promote the fact that Jesus Jesus is the center of my life, and I'm pointing to him.
So we play the background. This is not about us. You will never be more free in your entire life if you, until you learn that lesson right there. This is not about us. It's about him. We're extras. Will you stand with me this morning? I want you to check your own heart. Do you need to reposition yourself? Are you in the spotlight? Are you center stage? Are you trying to grab attention for you? Parents, from the heart of a parent to parents, are you trying to perform? that they love Jesus. Father, this morning, could you help a type A++ driven pastor who's questioning so that I'll know that the approval that matters is yours. And in doing that, I pray that you would help my congregation, these people that I know also struggle at times. We all do. We're coming off the stage. We are born this way. We desire acceptance. I pray that freedom would invade this congregation because we would come to this understanding. We are approved of. We will never be more accepted than we are right at this moment. We, we recognize that we can disappoint because we don't live up to the standards that you called us to, but we'll never be more approved of and accepted than we are right now. And I pray that that would provide a grace in us. And it would change how we do things. We would do what we do to bring honor and attention and glory to you. We recognize today that the applause of man will pass away. Nobody will remember. But your approval is permanent, eternal. You love us so much. You're proud of us. 
want to mess up your own heart, why don't you just stop for one moment in this prayer and do this? Why don't you speak for God for one moment and just say, He's proud of me. Thank you for your approval. Father, I pray that we would all reposition ourselves. We would check ourselves. We would make sure that we are not in the limelight and you're off to the side. You're not our co-pilot. We put you at the very center of our entire life. Every aspect of our life, I pray that we would do that today. We would make you star you're the star you're the star and when they come and ask us for an autograph we'll deflect to you to you because without you none of this is even possible I pray that you would help us today I pray that pride would be diminished in our own life. And this is my prayer, my last prayer. Father, I pray that we would decrease so that you would increase. I pray that in every person's life here today, we would decrease. And everybody would see Jesus increasing in us. I ask you to accomplish this in my life lives of your people. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you do this with me? Would you take just a moment, look at the person next to you and say this, I can't see you, but I can see him. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.